Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, the show dedicated to spiritual direction and helping each of us take the next step or the next couple of steps with our Lord along the path of faith. My name is Patrick Conley. I'm sitting in for Josh Raymond today, and I'm privileged to host a weekly show called Practicing Catholic that's aired on Relevant Radio for the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. You can find out all about that show, including show archives and podcasts at practicingcatholicshow.com. And, of course, you can listen to it on the weekends if you're in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Well, speaking of St. Paul, the man for whom the city is named, today here on The Inner Life, we're going to be focusing on one of the fruits of the Spirit that St. Paul lists in Galatians 5. Now, this might not be the first fruit of the Spirit that pops to mind when we think about Lent, which is just around the corner. But you know what? Maybe it should be. Our focus today is going to be on joy, Christian joy. What does it mean to have joy? And how do we get it if we don't have it? Or how do we grow in joy so that we can become truly joyful people? Well, it sounds like some spiritual direction may be advisable as we tackle these questions and any others you may want to ask during the course of the hour. So let's say hello to our spiritual director. Joining us again is Father Sam Martin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Father Martin, it's good to be with you on the show again. Good morning. Yeah, Patrick, another guy from Wisconsin. That's great, and I'm happy to have our listeners, and we're looking forward to Lent. And I suppose a bit of a non-sequitur Lent and joy. I mean, is that possible? Well, by God's grace, we think it is. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive in right there, actually, Father, because, you know, we do think of where it, Lent is described as a season of joy, it's, it's, and, uh, and it is something that is that is there, that's available to us. And yet, somehow we get this kind of, I don't know, knee-jerk response or reaction that Lent is actually a somber, sober, solemn time that uh, really joy isn't what we would first use to describe it. So take us deeper into that. How is Lent a season of joy? Yeah, and I suppose maybe some of the negative, you know, that comes from when we were kids. And anytime you're, you know, told no, that you can't have something, then that just feels like a punishment. And then sure. we started maybe when we were young to equate God with a mean cop, that he just, you know, he doesn't want you to have any fun. But how can Lent be joyful is... Uh, it was the second reading last week in St. Paul at the end of his letter to the, is it the Romans? No, it's the first letter to the Corinthians. He's talking about that the material came first, the, the physical world, and then the spiritual. Uh, and But the spiritual really is, is meant, that's the more uh, fundamental part of who we are. I mean, our, our, because of sin, our bodies are dust to dust, they shall return. But we still, we always elevate, we typically, I mean, I was talking to a guy in jail, and he's like, um, 
a really good Catholic, you know, in terms of his faith is really important to him. You say, a good Catholic in jail? Yeah, but for the grace of God, we could be there too. But he said, you know, I I know when I get out, I should just want to go to adoration and and be a Mass, and I do. But sometimes, I mean, I just can't wait for my first pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Anything but this jail food, right? So we have, I mean, this is a human tendency. This is a part of being a part of this uh, race that we are so grateful because we're God's children now and so forth, but we we're just drawn to the material, the things that satisfy the body. And Lent tries to help us to see that when you satisfy the spiritual nature that is a, a just part and parcel of every human being's experience, we can relegate it to the periphery and forget about it, bury it, but it's there. And, uh, and so leaving it empty, uh, we're just never satisfied. So if we live a, a fruitful Lent, we're going to find that, gosh, I, um, you know, I eat a little less or I eat a little more healthy or I... I do a little more for others. I, I pray a little more. I deny myself a few little things, and I feel better for it. I mean, right. not just physically, but uh, spiritually, I feel more alive. And that's the thing is that if we, um, I always think that when people focus on happiness, uh, that's such a hard thing to nail down. You know, it's yeah. Um, yeah. somewhat subjective. And the more we strive for happiness, it seems like the less we find it. But the more we just follow the Lord, wherever he leads us, and we're each on our own path, we're not going to all do the same thing at the same time, but just follow the Lord. It, you know, give us this day our daily bread, and, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just live that life, and you'll be more joyful than if you did it your own way. I mean, if you just, like, I know what I want, I know how I'm going to get it, and uh, people that live like that find that, gosh, it's disappointing. But follow the Lord, and uh, he promised that he wanted his joy to be in us and our joy to be complete, and, well, he can't deceive or be deceived, so I think we can trust him on that. Right. Very good. That's that's true. Well, you're already alluding to this, Father, and I and I want to get down to brass tacks here as always. I, I always like defining my terms here as well. And just to remove some of the mystique around joy or just uh, about how it is hard to nail down, as you said, what are we actually talking about when we talk about Christian joy, the Lord's understanding of joy? Because I think a lot of times we do confuse it with sort of a more temporal or sensual type of happiness um, or pleasure, maybe even. And uh, that's not what we're really talking about, though, is it? Yeah, it's, uh, there are many different ways of, of coming at it. And I, I, many times I'll say it, joy is the infallible uh, indication of the God's presence within, you know, that in, mm-hmm. specifically for Jesus, uh, you know, that there was something that this magnetism about him, that he drew people to himself, that, you know, and so to be uh, a witness to that, to be in communion with him is to be in the state of sanctifying grace, so we're not living a sinful life, and if we fall, we, we repent, we run to the Lord, and he is a good father, so he forgives and reconciles and so forth. So there are certain objective things that have to be in, in place for this to even be possible. We have to know Jesus and be close to him and spend time with him, and then he starts starts to rub off on us, and his joy does become a part of our life. And so there's this this reality of his presence, which we receive him, Jesus, in Holy Communion, literally, physically, and, and spiritually, all these different ways that we... And now we're supposed to be, you know, go out to the world and gather, you know, and uh, fishers of men and so forth, and he'll sort them all out at the end of time. He's the judge and so forth. But um, that joy has to be that infallible sign of God's presence within. And that means... We're working with courage and humility on our sins, our struggles. We're not blaming others or burying them or, or trying to run as far as we can away from them. No, we're, with God's help, we know that we're all survivors of original sin. That's what a friend has uh, told me recently. I said, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. 
and we're aware of that, and you know we're not overwhelmed by it. Like we all have stuff that we discover about ourselves that we're not that happy about at first, but then we find that if not for those things, how could we ever really be humble? How could we ever really be holy or faithful or have any relationship with the Lord? Because, well, we didn't need it. We were fine, so we lived without it. And a lot of people on some level do that. But um, once we recognize that, that that joy comes from being close to Jesus, and this is where I, I have a confirmation retreat on Sunday and to talk to the kids, you think, I hope that at some point they meet a real Christian, not a perfect person, but someone that has really tried to, to grow and sincerely invested in it, and not to be you know criticizing their parents or anything like that, but so many of us, we kind of, um, we're in, but we're not. We're kind of along for the ride, but really our heart has not been you know completely convinced of it, so uh, we keep the Lord at a distance. It's keeping a safe place, so I don't want him to ruin my life or take something that's mine, and uh, it's mostly through our brokenness, our our suffering and our sorrows that we finally let God in, all the way in, and uh, this is where then there's joy sometimes in surprising places and surprising people, and mostly it comes through the cross, it seems. Mm, Yeah, well, that's certainly something that we can focus on, but I want to go back and and just say, it sounds to me like, Father, what you're suggesting is that, indeed, the more that we do turn over to the Lord, the more that we surrender to His will in our lives, I mean, that seems like... one of, if not the, prescription for growing in joy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, being vulnerable, right? And that's, okay. uh, yep. we don't always like that, but if we see someone else do it, someone that just kind of bears their soul or just is really clear about how they let God into their life. And I know I've quoted Jennifer Fulweiler on this show before about mm-hmm. when she was an atheist and this guy called and they were just going to make fun of him, and, and he kind of broke down in his testimony about what Jesus meant to him and that he had been struggling with alcoholism, and his wife had packed up, taken the kids away, and they were never coming back. And then he just prayed, and like he'd never had before, and and he starts like crying about, you know, and how Jesus saved him and saved his marriage and his family, and that he would never, ever give up on the Lord. He just felt that he had done so much for him, and and he described this peace. And Jennifer, after the guy hung up, he, he the conversation would have ended, and she's like, "It was a peace I had never heard of, I'd never experienced, but I knew that day." that I wanted to. And that was the mm-hmm. beginning of her, you know, so here's a man being vulnerable, like, I've been so broken in my life, and Jesus helped me so much, and that's why, like, a St. Mary Magdalene is such a compelling figure, you know, and then how Jesus you know, drove out seven demons, and how he loved her, and she knew that, and uh, that it make it easy for her, I mean, at the resurrection, she, you know, do not cling to me, I've not yet ascended to the Father, that, you know, that I just want to be with you forever. Well, yeah, that's heaven. And uh, we can have a foretaste of it on earth, but we can never really fully have it on earth. So, uh, so those things that um, awaken us, uh, you know, that, that alert us to there's something missing, and then uh, here the Lord, he never misses an opportunity to give us uh, what will truly satisfy us. Yeah, wow. And, and just to ponder that for a moment, just how generous that is, that he'll never miss an opportunity. Uh, to give us that the very thing that will fulfill us, that will lead us in deeper into His presence and make us into the men and women He's called us to be. What a wonderful, wonderful way. I mean, that's, that brings joy to my heart, just thinking and, and contemplating that. Well, for you, our listeners, are you? would you describe yourself as a joyful person? Maybe a better way to ask that is, would others describe you? Would your spouse describe you as a joyful person? Do you seek to share joy with other people? And if so, how do you do that? How do you share joy 
uh, with other people? And where have you found sources of joy in your own life? What sort of spiritual practices or drawing close to the Lord have brought you a lot of joy? Please join the conversation. Let us know. Let's inspire one another with the stories that we have to tell about the Lord's working in our own life. Or ask our questions. Ask our questions of our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. I tell you what, Father, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, more on joy. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. We'll be right back. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Hey, I got to give my uh, hats off there to our producer, Nick Sentovich, because that's that's some joyful bump music. Yeah, it's, it's really great. That's a great way to steer us back into the whole conversation about joy. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today as we speak with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, from Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, about Christian joy. What does it mean to be joyful? Would you describe yourself as a joyful person? Do you seek to share joy with others? And if so, how do you do that? Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here at The Inner Life. So, Father, you started talking about this, and I I can't help but ask, uh, what about people who find themselves in rather dire circumstances? Or maybe it's just the everyday sufferings of life, because we do have sufferings in life. We have crosses to take up. And follow after the Lord, right? So whether that's, uh, but, you know, illness, um, whether that be slight illness or really serious illness, uh, unemployment can be a a good thing there. If there's, uh, you know, if we're suffering in in really any way, how do we still be joyful in the midst of suffering? Yeah, there's no uh, easy explanation. I mean, it, you know, I think that we search for artificial consolations to, to compensate. So, uh, you know, we eat something or we use some chemical or whatever, you know, to try to compensate because things are not going the way we want. And we're pretty fragile. I mean, that's like the princess and the pea little thing set us off, and then we just lose our inner peace and we're capable of saying or doing things that don't well represent us. But, uh, you know, and I just think right now we're living in a time where there's, um, you know, with the situation in the Ukraine and so forth, I mean, it's just really disappointing and exactly. uh, discouraging and and we're praying, and, and we feel maybe somewhat helpless and that this could escalate and become something that's really terrible, you know. But then we come back to our faith, and we remember that, uh, that where we find our strength is in Jesus, and he said that there would be wars and threats of wars until the end. But he would always be with us, and he's the one who can, he can transform. I mean, that's why our crucifix is such an important symbol for us. We, we look at the worst day. I mean, people say, I can't believe that we're doing these things. I we can believe. I mean, we killed our, you know, our God. He came into the, his only yeah. begotten son. He sends Jesus down here, and we kill him. I mean, right. it, so we're capable of some pretty terrible things, depravity that we'd say that that doesn't well represent us. No, but it, and that's why Jesus says, you know, Father, forgive them. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. when we come into these things that are, you know, just terrible circumstances or unmitigated evil, and we're on the short end of the stick in terms of some real injustice, we got to go to the Lord. He's the only one that can trans. I mean, because the devil, he wants to you know use that as a seething resentment. He wants us to 
to just be stuck forever. And then there's a kind of anger that upsets our inner peace, and then we're not even capable of having any hope, anything that good could come out of this. Or if it does come, we feel like, you know, we're entitled to it. Well, there's no gratitude for it. There's no humility. There's just, you know, you ruined my life, and now that's the least you could do. So he wants us painted into a place where there's no spiritual freedom, there's no joy, where Jesus is going to come into our life. And C.S. Lewis has this autobiography, you know, his autobiography is titled Surprised by Joy. And uh, he's famous for writing the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's one, it's one of the early ones of the seven. Anyway, this little boy, Diggory, he is, um, he wants to talk to this lion, Aslan, and, and the lion is supposed to be Jesus, of course, it's kind of an allegory or whatever. And Diggory's mom is sick, even unto death. And Diggory wants to ask the lion for a favor because he knows this lion has special powers. And he, but he's kind of, you know, sheepish about it and shy. And he's, he kind of mentions, like, under his breath, and my mom is sick. And when he finally has the courage to look up and look at the lion, the lion is looking right at him, and there are tears coming out of his eyes. And then Diggory realizes that the lion knew all along, and he cared about his mom, and that he wasn't, you know, and that, like, I think so many times for us is that if we just come to Jesus, and, you know, especially the Sacred Heart, where, you know, he's been through it all. He knows it. I mean, he... And he can handle this stuff, and we can't. You know, so this is where Mother Teresa was sometimes criticized, you know, and, and this is a woman that was joyful. I mean, even though she carried heavy crosses, and we see in her interior life that all came out after she died, man, that was, uh, she wasn't just floating on sunshine, and everything always went her way. No, she suffered within, but on the outside there was this joy. How is that possible? And she'd say, well, that's what Jesus, that's, he does that for me. I spend time with him, and People would say, well, you should spend less time with him and more time with his people. She'd say, you don't understand. I can't do any of that without him. Right. So I think a lot of us, we discover that well, we're going through hard things, and that, that knocks us off our interior balance for a while, no doubt about it. But if we just bring that to the Lord, and we might have to pray a lot more than we once did. And that's not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we find that, you know, that we're, somehow we're coming through it. And we'd say, by the grace of God. He was the one who did it all for me. And why? Because I let him. But, you know, he's a respectful God and doesn't barge in. And so if we won't let him, then we're, then we're not happy. And then we're always uh, looking to blame somebody. I mean, I watched a little bit of news last night, which is not something I typically do. And they're looking to figure out who to blame that this happened, you know, besides uh, Putin and the Russians or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's like, golly, I mean, it's It's evil. But it's a part of our fallen nature. I mean, it, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, and these things we just, um, you know, let the Lord sort that out, and let's pray and do penance and, and have hope. And, and uh, there are a lot of good people in the world. Let's appeal to the goodness in people and, uh, and pray for the end of this thing because um, it is a discouraging reality. And how can we be joyful when so many things are going so wrong? Well, <laughs> we do believe in life after death, and we do believe that heaven, that nobody up there is dissatisfied, that they all would say if they could say anything to us, it was worth it. It was all worth it. You'll see he can redeem everything, even the worst things. Yeah, death of my child, uh, the the loss of of this or that, or he can redeem that. And the people in heaven would say, yeah, we um, were surprised by joy when we got here too. But he is God and we're not. And we think that he's mysterious, maybe through original sin. He's like, no, no, you guys used to understand me. But through sin, uh, who you call him mysterious? I mean, you guys are the ones that have a strange way of reasoning. So anyway, it's, uh, it's something for us. I mean, people going through difficult things, acknowledge it. Bring it to the Lord. He'll help you with it. 
to convert it into something that you would have said, that's impossible. But God does lots of things that are impossible. I mean, our whole religion of Christianity is, is based on miracles, things that can't happen, but they did. At least we believe they did. And uh, yeah. are we better for it? Well, we're challenged to be better for it, that's for sure, whether or not we actually live uh, that way. That's, um, that's why we have you know, the encouragement that we receive on Catholic Radio and in our parishes. And we're very fragile. We might do okay today, but tomorrow we're already off again. So we, we need that constant reminder that it has a happy ending. I've read the last page. It all comes to fruition just the way God predicted. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious too, Father. Now, you your prescription is obviously right on when we're going through suffering. That what we need to do in order to maintain joy, and that doesn't. I, I'm not hearing you say that that means that we're looking. You know, we have a smile, a permanent smile wrapped on our face, or we're never even touched by the suffering. In fact, it's it seems like it's quite the opposite that we recognize the suffering. Um, for what it what it is, and uh, and and yet we still have someone we can trust in the midst of that, and uh, perhaps that's a good question um, for our listeners as well. So, where in your suffering have you found joy? How have you trusted in the Lord in the midst of suffering, and how has the Lord seen you through that? Or maybe you're going through it right now, and uh, you are looking for the Lord, or perhaps the Lord is very present to you. Give us a call, please. Inspire us with your stories about the Lord being at work in your life. Our phone number is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. You know, Father, it, it strikes me that we go to the Lord, as you said, when we're in the midst of suffering to find joy, to remember that we have someone who who is all-powerful, who we can trust, even in the midst of some of the most, uh, yeah, the the worst suffering imaginable. And uh, yet I see, and I, it, what calls to mind is that in the New Testament, St. Paul specifically is talking a lot about, um, he links, he's linking joy with relationship with other Christians, with other believers, um, just, uh, you know, for, he, he talks about uh that uh, you know, I'm, I'm. That we might be together, so that our joy might be complete, or something like that. Um, and in Philippians two, I know, right, in it's an introduction to the great Christ hymn of Philippians two. Uh, he says, "If there's any encouragement in Christ, any solace and love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy." And then he says, "Complete my joy by being of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing." So what's, I guess my question to you is, what's the linkage between going to Christ, finding joy, and then being in relationship with others, brothers and sisters in the Lord? Well, we're very inspired by the stories that, uh, of other you know, human beings. And when we see you know, this is what the lives of the saints or uh, some of the greatest stories, you know, like in the 20th century, came out of uh, you know, World War II. There are lots of great stories about uh, heroic efforts. I mean, St. Maximilian Kolbe, here's a guy that takes another man's place, and he knows that he's going to die, and he's got them singing in this uh, cell where they're all, you know, being starved to death, and it's not long that they're going to be in this world, but he, and usually that's a place where there's a lot of cursing and blaspheming and everything else, and he taught them that we're going home, and uh, this is, this world was always going to be temporary for us. Here we have no lasting city, we're just passing through, and so the the stories of um, the people in our our world. I mean, it's, you know, also the Great Depression. I mean, there's this great story of Jim Braddock, and uh, it was um, put into the form of a film called Cinderella Man. Now, just in case people watch it, 
the one guy takes God's name in vain a lot, but otherwise, it's a fantastic story, a true story. And uh, Braddock is played by Russell Crowe, and this is the time of the, the Great Depression. And at one point, he and his wife, they have three kids or whatever, and they're just, they're, there's no money, and they've turned off the heat. They've just, I mean, they're, they're suffering so much that he has to go down and kind of swallow his pride and take a loan from the government or whatever. And um, eventually, he got on his feet. He got a chance. He was a boxer, and he got a chance to... And he became the Cinderella Man because he was everyone's hero. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, had a broken hand working on the dock, just, you know, lost everything. But then he got a chance at the title, and uh, and then when he got some money, he, it was a famous scene where he took back what he owed the government. I mean, he didn't have to. It was a, you know, a forgivable loan. But he said, no, you know, God's been good to me, and it's time to, to give back so that others, others can benefit too. So these are the kind of things that, you know, St. Paul is always... Uh, attuned to. I mean, he's a man that's on the road a lot, and he's, oh, he had a hard life, but uh, he was a man that had met the Lord. He knew that he was real, and he's like, you know, and this is where, like, the Chosen series, if people have watched it, they they get that sense of meeting Jesus, maybe almost for the first time, and, like, hmm. wouldn't you want to know him? Wouldn't you want to be close to him? Isn't he? In, I mean, he's just so beautiful and so kind, so strong, courageous. Uh, he knows himself. He knows his Father, and he knows us, and wouldn't you want to be known by somebody like that? That, I mean, sometimes I think we, our love can be so possessive that if I want him all for myself, but Jesus is different. I mean, he has enough love for the whole world and then some. So these are the things that um, I think St. Paul would understand, especially as a man that was moving from community to community, how those were little oases in the middle of a world that is kind of a desert, you know, is kind of a discouraging place. And we try, I mean, it, that horizontal part of our faith is really important. You know, the, the life of, of human community, it happens in parishes and in the workplace and schools and families uh, primarily, but um, we do well to foster it, to help it to grow, to say, does anybody else out there that believes like the, what I believe? And, you know, is it important to them? Is it something that they try to live or am I the only one? And right. then we discover that uh, it's an expansive and extensive uh, community and it goes all the way back to the beginning, and it will be here until the end of the world. So what a, a privilege for us to be a small part of it, and a little link in a chain that um, we'll see that the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he was there to be, always, always was with us. And uh, we, he didn't need us, but he called us. He wanted us. He had a part for each of us to play, and what a beautiful thing to be a part of that divine mosaic. Right, right. You know, I'm I'm thinking about as you're as I'm listening to you tell the stories of well Cinderella Man amongst others and that sort of thing that that we really do have the capacity to communicate God's joy to one another that and that we as being baptized and confirmed in the Lord you know we've we've received the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within us through our active faith and our participation in the sacraments etc. Uh, and just how that joy is communicated to another. And I just think of the joyful people in my own life. And yeah, again, I, that's a great question for people to call in and join the conversation. Who are, who are the, who would you describe as the most joyful people in your life and what makes them so? Why do you see them as joyful? 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, I got to say that uh, probably some of the most joyful people in my life, the the people that when I when you say this is a joyful person, the people that immediately jump to mind, I got to admit are are probably uh, religious brothers and sisters. Um, 
And uh, that's not I'm not I'm not trying to denigrate priests at all. Um, But but what I'm saying is that I'm thinking of one or two religious, a religious sister and uh, a religious priest that I know. Um, I just see I just see joy pervading what they do. Um, There is a lightness about them, which doesn't you know, it doesn't turn away from that suffering. It doesn't uh, disacknowledge or ignore that suffering. But it engages with the suffering in a way that you can see the presence of the Lord shining through them. What about you, Father? Who's who's been really influential in joy in your life? Well, I always think about you know people with special needs uh, that they have a, a such a gift. They're such a blessing, and um, sadly, our world doesn't want to have people with special needs very often anymore. But uh, that's something that mm. we're praying will be corrected. You know that we'll understand that. These are the ones that uh, they just, I mean, God giggles when he sees, uh, you know, what he's created in these, especially, I mean, there are all sorts of ways of, of having um, those crosses that they bear, but um, you think of folks with Down syndrome and so forth, and, yeah. and I've known many of uh, these uh, children of God, and, and I think that's where, you know, as people, joy comes out in a kind of a similar way. We become little again, we become children again, and and, uh, you know, there was a kind of an innocence and a, a wonder and an awe that was so natural when we were young. It gets damaged because we get hurt, you know, by our peers and by the world. And, and sometimes it even feels like by God, you know, that he didn't help me when I needed him. He abandoned me or whatever. And, and we start to believe those lies. But as a person grows closer to the Lord, there's a, it's just a kind of that they become little again. And, they, yeah. and that's what Jesus said. You have to become like children to enter the kingdom of God. And there's a kind of a playfulness. Uh, not an immaturity, you know. And it comes through suffering, and and then if um, they're quick to forgive, and they're they're also they become very sensitive. They know when others are hurting, and so they have a little way of of trying to maybe lighten that for a person. Uh, you know what? A good sense of humor, and and that is a, a healing remedy. I mean that we are in a fallen world. You know, it's a the shadowlands, like St. Louis or uh, C.S. Lewis describes. You know that we, it's difficult for us. It's really you know, and we get so beat up down here, but to see the light once in a while, to know that it's real and that it it can't be ex- extinguished and it will lead us into the eternal light, that this is our hope. And um, so I'd have to say that I, I've been around, you know, just when people are serious about the relationship with Jesus, I think, and then, um, you know, so special needs people, that's just a kind of a, a gift that they get, I think. Oftentimes, at least that's been my experience, so I love to be around them. Uh, yeah. I see a lot of older people that have suffered, but their faith is deep, and so there's a, a kind of a good sense of humor, and they, they've been through so much that they don't sweat the small stuff anymore. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, their faith is, is very rich. So, I mean, lots of little saints, and, um, and joy is not always like, you know, lots of smiles and jokes and things. It comes out in its own way. You know, it right. comes out in, uh, but just as something that you, when you walk away from a person like that, you say, Lord, that's what I want. You know, I... I want to be more like that because that's a better witness to you, Lord, and that'll draw people to you. If you let me live like that, then I can tell them why are you always so you're so good to me. You're always so patient and forgiving. Well, that's Jesus. I mean, I, you know, like Paul would say, Saint Paul, that I am what I am by the grace of God. That He does that for me, mm-hmm. and uh, all the saints would be, you know, they would recognize it. No, 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 don't. Uh, this isn't originating in me. You can give the credit to the Lord. Uh, he's been very good to me in my life. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful words, Father. Let's take a phone call now. We have Maria who's calling in from Miami, Florida. Maria, welcome to The Inner Life. 
you. The question was, who are the most joyful people in my life, right? Right. Yeah. I, well, um, it's, it's my parish priests. Uh, I, I just had a conversation with one of them, and, you know, the joy that emanates from his face to me, uh, I don't know what he's going through. They never bring that to Mass, and it's my parish priests, the most joyful people in my life. That's good to hear, Maria, because that's always the best, uh, you know, in terms of like a vocation poster is that people are attracted. I mean, when I was little, uh, as a server and so forth, I just I could see the priest doing so much good for people. And, and we knew some just, you know, regular good priests that would mom and dad would have them over. I remember one, he was playing some chess with my brother. I was too little. I didn't. I played checkers uh, at that time. But uh, anyway, uh, to see their humanity, but also that, and that is that relationship with Jesus, especially for a priest who is a celibate person, that uh, that somehow, I mean, you know, I would have said it when I was younger, that celibacy is a life of loneliness and lots of hard work and just can't be much fun. Uh, but I was wrong on all of those accounts. I mean, that the Lord knows what our heart needs, and he can satisfy and fulfill those needs. It's not the same as marriage, and it doesn't, not in one way uh, would it ever denigrate. It's a complementary sort of thing, that marriage says that everything that God made is good. Everything in this world was beautifully good, but he says that there's something more than this world, and that's what celibacy points to, is that, well, in the next life, love is going to be different, so much more deep and profound that marriage apparently won't make any sense up there, but it does down here, and it's a great gift. So, Maria, good for you uh, in Miami. I suppose if I were a priest down there, I'd be happy, too. It's <laughs> 10 degrees today. Especially in February. Yeah, that's right. right, right. <laughs> Maria, if I can ask, um, just uh, how, does your, how does your priest present himself such that you see him as a joyful man? Well, I, I go up to them and just uh, mention just any little thing, and it's, there's always a smile, and, and the answer is always uh, nice and leaves me with a very good feeling. No, no more conversation is necessary. His, his expression and his, uh, his mannerism says it all, where I know it's good. It's all good. Hmm. Fantastic. So you can sense the person of Christ being present to you right. through well, him. I, yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got to be that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be that. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. There's no doubt. Wonderful, Maria. Thank you. Thank you for calling in and sharing that story with us. God bless you and your day. Yeah, if there's, if there's others of you who'd like to share, we'd love to hear stories about the most joyful people in your life. How do they manifest that joy to you, the joy of the Lord? Um, just encouraging us all that joy, true joy is possible as we seek out the Lord in our own lives. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Let's take another call here before our break. Gabby is calling in from Minneapolis. Gabby, welcome to The Inner Life. It's it, Debbie. Is oh, it Debbie, Debbie excuse me. And, yeah, and Debbie, yeah, please. Yeah, that's okay. Um, okay, I have a quick one. I didn't want to call because it's so joyful listening to the exchange between you and Father, and that radiates through the radio. So I count it all joy to listen to you. But I called in because when you said it inspires other people, and that helps us radiate that joy, I thought of the first time that I read the book of Luke, and I heard the description from Luke, about Mary and her Magnificat, which I really wasn't that familiar with reading the Bible. But I thought, of my, if my soul magnifies the Lord, it's like that sunlight of our Lord Jesus Christ 
comes only through that magnification for me to whomever I can be around. And when you step back, I want my spirit to rejoice. And I have a real quick example. My dad died this summer in a tragic accident. And I'm in Minneapolis, but I'm from California. And when I got out there, I thought, how in the world am I going to be able to take care of all that my dad has in a short amount of time? And then every day was a miracle. And and I couldn't even begin to tell you from the three hours I had to empty his apartment out, a, a church group showed up that I hadn't even known about that my dad was participating in, and they said, because I want to honor him, we want to help you move, and we're going to donate to the homeless, and we had to have police come and help us. And I started passing out miraculous medals. And just, I, I couldn't believe how Mary, in her joy, you know, in her yes, I thought, I have to keep doing that. And so for two weeks of what was the extremely most challenging two weeks of my life, I got on a plane from San Francisco to fly to Minneapolis, and I thought, Lord, may I decrease so that you may increase. And I put my head on the, the window of the airplane, and I said, I am not going to be sad and sorrowful, but I was so sad and sorrowful at the loss of my dad. But when my head was against the, the window um, in the seat of the airplane, it kind of put my head over, and you, know, you have the mask and the whole bit. And there was a woman that sat next to me, and I always pray for the person who sits next to me that the Lord will give me a door open if necessary, and if not, that I just, you know, respect the Holy Spirit. And I closed my eyes, and the woman introduced herself to me. I wasn't going to say a word that my dad had passed. She noticed my miraculous medal, and then she started chatting that her husband had just died. And I, I'd never said that my dad had just passed. I thought, Lord, help me to be joyful, because I have no idea what that would be like. And God put her there for me to mentor her, the Blessed Mother. Long story short, for our plane, we talked the entire time, took a selfie with our masks on, exchanged phone numbers, and I told her about the Blessed Mother, and I told her that I prayed for the person that was sitting next to me on the plane, and that God brought her here. And she said, well, I was raised in an Episcopal church, but I never practiced my faith. I don't know if she raised her family with that, but she said that I worked in a Catholic school, and I recognized that medal. So I took my necklace off, and I gave it to her. And then she had so much joy. But with the mask, her heart radiated. I said, can we pray? And she took my hand, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. And I thought, Lord, in this moment, you gave me exactly what I asked for. May I decrease in my father the sorrow of my father's loss. You gave me the joy of my husband and this woman. And then the thing was the next day, she texted me and said, I never knew I had a mother until wow. you told me about the miraculous medal. And my granddaughter had to go into the hospital. She was so sick. I got to pray to the Blessed Mother for the first time. And I was like, joy. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Wow. Debbie, let me, uh, let me just cut in here and say, uh, I mean, there's just provision after provision after provision here that's going on that I'm hearing from you uh, in the Lord's presence and Lord working through you to bring joy in this situation. Father, what about that, about how the Lord uses the faithful? Well, it's a, that's a remarkable story and something that Debbie, you know, will carry with her for all of her days. And Debbie, we're sorry about the loss of, of your dear dad, and um, but look at out of such a terrible thing that God can draw so much good. And that's the thing is that um, 
whatever joy is, it remembers that life is a gift. And we won the lottery when we were born. We were, you know, God didn't want to spend eternity without us, so he created us. And even though we we must die, it's a part of what's left of sin. And so it's our way home. But we don't have to be inordinately sad about it or discouraged. We can accept it. We can face it with courage. We can we can know that it's our Passover that will lead us to paradise. And in the meantime, we can help each other with it. And our faith is such an extraordinary gift. And, you know, Debbie, I'm just reminded, I've been talking about the chosen a little bit, and there's the one, uh, it's in the first season, it's let the children come to me. And Jesus spends a lot of time with these little kids. And this one little girl, I think her name is Abigail. And Jesus is so good to these kids. And at the last scene, he's kind of lecturing them because he's going to be going away. They don't know it, but he does. And he says to Abigail that, you know, that I hope there'll be among my followers people like you that will bring many souls to me. And because Abigail told all her friends, and then they come to see Jesus every day. And it's so beautiful how he treats them. And he wants people like you, Debbie, uh, to share your faith with others, to pray for them, and, and to say, Lord, if you want me to be a part of anything that you want to do, I'm here. I'm yours. I'm, I, you know, and that's what Pope John Paul through St. Louis de Montfort is, is, you know, papal mantra totus to us, that, that I'm all yours through Mary, that if, if I can do any good for anyone, then, you know, Mary is my mama and she'll help me to be disposed so that if you do ask me, Lord, I won't say no. I won't turn away from you. But um, like Mary, I want to make sure that, is this what God wants? Okay, no more questions. The answer is yes. Uh, you know, let it be done unto me according to your word. So, wow, Debbie. And we'll pray yeah. for uh, the lady that you met and her, her dear husband that he can have his rest. And uh, so many people are deprived of that motherhood of, of Mary. And I always that's of all the things that happen in the Protestant, um, you know, Reformation, revolt, whatever. Uh, that's one of the things I always feel the worst about is that you know Mary loves everyone, you know, and uh, a lot right. of people don't know that yet. But what a pleasant surprise they'll have to, to meet her. Who are you? Well, right. I'm Jesus' mother, but I'm also what? your mother. And I'm, I'm just struck with, right? Yeah, so, beautiful. I'm struck by that. What a what a vehicle for for joy by introducing uh, the Blessed Mother to her. Thank you, Debbie, for that call. We need to take a quick break. We've got people on the line here, so hang on over the break. We'll get back to you in a moment as we speak with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, about joy here on The Inner Life. We'll be right back. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Kindly. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, who is our producer and also providing that great, joyful music as we come back into the program. And also Mariano Gomez is taking your phone calls today. My thanks to him as well. And my thanks to our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, as we're speaking about Christian joy and if it's possible and how do we grow in joy. Where do you find joy in your life? Who has communicated joy to you, or how have you communicated joy, the joy of the Lord, to others? Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Let's go. Let's take another phone call now, Father. We've got Chris, who's calling in from Sacramento, California. Chris, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm calling because the person that brings me joy or I see who has the most joy in life is my husband. Um, about a year and a half ago, 
my mom was very sick. She had been on palliative care, and my dad refused to bring additional help into the into the home to take care of her. So, and the doctors had said that she had a good three years left. And um, my husband and I, I asked him if he would mind if we moved in with them so I could take care of my mom. And he, and I have to say joyfully, said yes. Hmm. We sold our house. We moved 25 miles away from our home, 45 miles away from our business. And um, and I took care of my mom. Unfortunately, she passed away uh, seven months later. And we are still living here and taking care of my dad, who doesn't need... As, he doesn't need care like my mother did. She was bedridden in the end. Um, he still gets out. He's a very difficult man to live with. And I've learned so much of my mom's anguish over their 65 years of marriage. And uh, my husband does everything he can to keep me lifted up. I've contemplated suicide because of our living situation. And what I know God has called me to do in being here and caring for both my parents. And um, it's my husband that keeps me lifted and alive. Uh, and I go ahead, Chris. You can finish. Yeah, day, yeah. I I just look every day for the joy that he has. Yeah, that's a that's a hard story, and I'm sorry for the loss of your dear mama and for the struggles with your dear dad. And uh, but in the midst of those places where you know we're stretched to the limit, uh, God seems to to throw, you know, a, a life preserver of some sort. And that's in the case of your marriage, how, you know, three to make a marriage, your husband would probably say that the Lord helps him to be a good husband to you, especially in a time of, of kind of real crisis, you know, that, and it doesn't sound like there's, a, you know, an end in sight. It might be for a while, and uh, your life is worth living, but um, it shows that, uh, you know, you put us in any situation and we can see real good in us and then some real sadness, brokenness. That's too much, Lord. I can't. That I can't handle. And I think in life we should pray that way too. Uh, you know, I, on a much less, you know, significant level. But in the fall I was having trouble and it was sciatica stuff. And it was like three months and I just told the Lord, I said, I, I don't think I can live like this, Lord. I mean, I don't think I can handle this kind of, you know, chronic pain. So uh, it went away, and it uh, turned out it wasn't my back anyway. It was my hip, which I had replaced on Monday. <laughs> so uh, God has an interesting way of answering our prayers, but sometimes we have to tell him, I can't. And Mother Teresa, she was famous for saying that, Jesus, this time I think you've gone too far. But in your case, Chris, you have someone there that understands, and uh, he can't save you, only Jesus can, but he must be close enough to the Lord that he 
can help you through this time. So you'll get a lot of prayers from all of our listeners uh, for a difficult situation, and um, and we'll pray, you know, for your dad. We have to, with God's help, we we know that we don't change much at the end of our life. It's it's kind of late then, but somehow by God's grace, when you meet him again someday, please God, it'll be a whole different experience, and it for you and for your mom too. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I want to say my condolences as well, and uh, I'm so grateful for your husband being there for you in that in a very difficult time. But it's it's a great illustration of what we were just talking about. That you know, the joyful person doesn't doesn't uh, make light of the suffering, doesn't um, doesn't fail to acknowledge the suffering, but rather is really a source of light, the light, the life, the love of Christ uh, in your life when when we need it most, right? And you've been a great example of that. So thank you for the call. Uh, let's uh, let's see if we can squeeze in one more call before the end of the show here. We've got Janet calling in. Janet, we've only got a minute left or so, um, but how, how can we help you today here on The Inner Life? Well, I have a great devotion to our Blessed Virgin Mary, um, but not as good as I really could make it. Um, I'm living alone, and it's kind of like a hermit life. Uh, for me, I've lost both my parents who I took care of for about 20 years of their last years on this earth. I um, picked up a movie from good friends who have a ministry to books and movies that are very Christ-like, and they're very devoted to have a cynical group that they are part of. And um, I was, uh, last night for the first time, I saw this little movie called The Miracle of Marcelino. And this little boy was left as a baby on the doorsteps of a monastery of Franciscan monks, and they raised him to the age of six, and he had a little um, miracle of his mother visiting him and telling him he had an older brother who was about six years older. And um, he, and then the, it ended, and he was getting a little bit nervous about the monks being so busy about their grown-up work and him not able to able to do much, and they were kind of, you know, ignoring him, and he kind of. Uh, got into an impish sort of state of life. And then after, um, when he was even being um, admonished for that, he decided he would try to get more in touch with his mom but didn't know how. And um, they told him not to go up the stairs into the the attic, but they didn't tell him what's an attic. They just said, don't climb, don't go up those stairs. And he did it anyway. Just his little impishness got a hold of him. And while he was up there in the attic... He discovered uh, a huge cross with Jesus' corpse on it, and it came to life for him. Wow. Well, and Janet, I'm afraid I'm going to have to cut in. I'm sorry. We're, we're out of time here, but a great story and a great way of how uh, other stories can be inspirational and joy for us. Father, we would love a blessing from you before we have to go, please. God bless you one and all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin from Holy Name of Jesus in Wausau, Wisconsin, part of the Diocese of La Crosse. Thank you for being our spiritual director today, and thank you for listening to The Inner Life. Uh, Tune in on Monday. We've got a show on spiritual direction coming up, and I'm sure that that will provide a lot of inspiration in your life. Right now, though, we've got the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Father Greg Parent from the Chapel of Nativity in Green Bay, Wisconsin. God bless you and your weekend.